You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Welcome to today's podcast. I'm going to do this a little bit different. This gentleman that is joining us, I'm just going to read off a few career highlights and awards and then we're just going to get right into it. I want to see where this thing goes today. Two-time first-team All-Big 12, first-team All-American, Sports Illustrated Defensive Player of the Year, Pro Football Focus Defensive Player of the Year, two-time San Francisco 49ers MVP, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler. I don't know what else I need to say about this gentleman joining us. I'm excited to have him. Originally from Holt Summit, Missouri, uh, played at Missouri, drafted in the first round, fourth pick to the Cincinnati Bengals, retired after his career with the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome to the show, Justin Smith. Thank you, pumping me up, man. (laughs) You're pumping me up. That would be really good if I only played six years, wouldn't it? You know, I I asked you a question before the show started, and you gave me your honest answer. I asked you if you, uh, when are you going to get on the ballot to be a pro bowler? And uh, you said, maybe if you live to be 100. And so I'm starting the campaign right now. Uh, Someone out there started Justin Smith for Hall of Famer. Right now, Justin Smith for Hall of Famer. Right now, make it a hashtag. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I personally think they they kind of got to a point where they just got to throw. I mean, what do they do? Throw about seven, eight guys in there a year now. Yeah. I mean, I think if they really did it right, I mean, some years you shouldn't have any. You know what I mean? Really make it the cream of the cream of the crop, not just this is a show we put on every year. Which <laughs> that's what footballs became is just a show. Of all that stuff. Well, I know you you were <laughs> you were all about the go. You weren't about the the fancy stuff, the pretty stuff. From the time you were a freshman, you were all about business. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, football's pretty easy that way. You know, you you put in the work. Uh, most of the time, you you reap the benefits at the end. You, you train hard, work out hard, get in your playbook. Uh, it's 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 not rocket science, and you see the guys that come in year in year out that have all the accolades from college, and you see them exhale. Some of them when they get drafted, you're just like, oh, that dude, that dude's gonna have a rough year. Can't <laughs> <laughs> exhale, and so it's hard not to sometimes. And so, where did that? I know it's you know you said it's easy, but where did your motivation come from, or was that just kind of that's all you knew? Uh, I mean, in the NFL or from. The, earlier you th- I, mean, uh, I, mean, I didn't want to get cut honestly <laughs> I saw a that's lot a of huge those, motivator uh, I saw a lot of those taillights leaving that at camp I, 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 no <laughs> <laughs> that was me <laughs> yeah, I mean I want to be in them taillights 
Uh, I guess it, early on in your career, you know, college, even high school, if you want to go back that far. But you know what I mean? That that work ethic, like Pat was saying, you were all about the go, not really the show. So how did how did you get there? Like what what how was that instilled in you? I mean, I, I think like a lot of people in high school, I had some really good mentors at the high school level that constantly challenged me. And, you know, I, I thought I was doing pretty good. And most co- coaches would have thought that. But they saw something more in me than I, I saw at the time. And they rode my ass nonstop. They'd come get me out of class and be on. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I really give a lot of credit to them as far as making me push above and beyond what, what, what was just kind of status quo with everybody else. You know what I mean? So you, you got to have that in life. You got to have the people that see more in you than you see in yourself sometimes. Yeah. And that was your high school coaches, right? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, coming from Jefferson city, you know, we had, uh, they used to give uh, one of the coach coaches there a bunch of shit because he was the rookie. He'd only been there 19 years. So it was a school <laughs> around forever and just grizzled and tough. And they ran the program hard. They, I mean, they were one of the first high schools to have a winter conditioning off season program in high school, like going back to the eighties, you know? So uh, I got really fortunate where I went to high school. And then through that, I guess the, you know, with your coaches having all that experience, like you said, rookie of 19 years, um, I don't even think you can call that rookie. There more years of experience than he's the age of the kids that he's coaching. But um, And they they gave him hell every day. (laughs) Awesome looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you were prepared coming out of high school you were you were physically prepared you were mentally prepared you had good coaches and uh, probably a really came from you came from a really good system and you I know think that's I mean that's that's crucial I, I think a lot of these high school you know better than me uh, but I think a lot of these high schools have caught on to that it's kind of even the playing field uh, a little bit in that maybe I'm not sure yeah I, I, it has improved a lot of people have caught up but I just think of back to a lot of your teammates that came out of that high school. You were physically prepared. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they believed majorly in squat, power clean, old school core lifts. Uh, not all the fancy stuff. Uh, no medicine ball stuff. No, none of that. Just great squatting, benching, push pressing. Uh, the the stuff that. that that uh, we did when you guys were all there, Pat. The stuff that you know makes a makes a boy a man. <laughs> I hear you, and and talk about boys to men or boy to man. I don't. I missed the boy part with you because a few weeks after you graduated from high school, you were up training during the summer, and the college power clean record was broken by an incoming freshman before he ever set foot in one day of college classes <laughs> I mean I mean that was uh, another you know really good thing having coming up there being around the older guys and you know just trying to keep up and and, and surpass them you know I mean I took every day as a uh, challenge and I, I thought that's what you had to do you know I my goal was to start or play a lot my, my freshman year I didn't want a red shirt and uh I, I don't know. Just I came in there on a mission. I knew it wasn't going to be school. 
So <laughs> no, I knew it no. wasn't going to be academics. I was not going to be. No, you you, you might be able to try to fool other people, but you're not fooling me. I I know how intelligent you are. So uh, you might say it wasn't important, but in terms of intelligence, you're one of the most intelligent people I've ever been around. I'm just saying I, I knew I was coming in and I was going to see how far this football deal could go. I mean, that was kind of, you know, I didn't, I wasn't making any guarantees to myself. Uh, I hadn't burned the boats yet. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I still had school. But then, then after, uh, I think probably my sophomore year, I was like, okay, it's, let's give this a shot and see what you happens. Set them on fire. <laughs> and so coming in, even as a freshman, you know, and, and you had that mentality to play or start for that matter, like you said, um, did you, at what point, or did you ever consider yourself a leader? Like, did you feel that or did other people dub you a leader? Well, I mean, Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, Pat could tell you that. I mean, we, I wasn't a raw, raw guy. I, you know, I think you lead by example in the weight room. I, I think weight rooms always really important to me. Uh, you know, with, uh, Pat, Donnie Summers, uh, Dave Tobe, when he first got there, it was uh, it was it was a weight room. It was how a weight room was supposed to be. So you know, I I took advantage of that. I mean, we had great strength coaching staff, and took advantage of that. And you you try to lead by example in there, and uh, you lead by example on the field. And you don't have to say a whole lot if you're making plays. If you're making plays, then you, you shouldn't talk at all. You know, <laughs> you better go make a play before you want to talk. And then even then, talk's cheap, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Speaking of making plays, go back to the bowl game, I believe, 1998 versus West Virginia, and they were running a Statue of Liberty play. And from w- if you read about the story, it says that you were unsure who had the ball, whether it was the quarterback or the running back, so you tackled both of them for TFL. Yeah, if I remember that right, I think I just pushed – the the running back into the quarterback. <laughs> I was over like uh, top roping. <laughs> I think the quarterback didn't know what the heck was going on. And uh, who was it? Who's that running back? Yeah, was it? Uh, was it? Was it a little mighty Miles? What was his name? Uh, was it him or was it uh, er- Amos Zeroway? Famous Amos. Yeah. Yep. But he was a little sawed off dude. If I remember right, he had some big old arms back there. <laughs> famous Amos. Oh yeah. All right. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me, because I, I find it fascinating. I saw you uh, a few weeks ago on a plane, and I, I know you like the outdoors. You you uh, you you with your kids. You've had them. You have them outside. Um, you talk about the the work ethic that you develop by doing um, outside type activities uh just give us a little picture of what it looks like i mean you're a retired uh you're a former nfl player who's retired so what what does your days look like now as far as what you do was that the politically correct way to say that (laughs) former former player now retired i like that (laughs) respect all respect Uh, i hear you i hear you uh I mean, stay busy with my kids. Uh, I try to stay outdoor with them. I mean, I try to keep them 
you know, I try to keep them off the downfall of man, the iPads. So we don't need that much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, got a farm here. They're actually outside baling hay right now. Mm-hmm. And just doing that stuff. I mean, get your hands dirty, get a little work ethic. You know, you just don't come home from school and plop down on the couch, which is, I mean, that's why we left California or wherever uh, other nice places are to live, just because you, know, you live in a, a subdivision or something. You, there's nothing to do. I mean, work ethic wise, really, you know, I mean, you got a small yard. I mean, how long does it take to mow the yard? 10 minutes. So <laughs> just all that sorts of stuff. And I mean, it's how I grew up. So I guess just kind of give them a little, you know, everybody thinks the way they did it was the right way. So maybe right or wrong. We'll see. And is there any pushback from, you know, no iPads or no devices and things like that? Is there, do you get, well, my friends have this and, you know, they do that and they're allowed to do that. They would be in military school if they talk back. <laughs> <laughs> Either live here or go live in Wentworth. <laughs> Which is the old military school. Hardcore. Hardcore, baby. That's good. Um, as you um, work on your farm, you do your things that you do around the farm. What is it that, uh, as you look back, you're most proud of? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't really thought about that question, honestly. I mean, uh, I mean, you get so ingrained. I, you're the same way. I'm sure you get so ingrained in you're in this year, you're playing whatever season that is. And as soon as that season's over, you, you throw in the trash bin. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I really haven't really gone back and unpacked the trash bin to think of any of that stuff really, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, I got three young kids, stay pretty busy with that. I haven't really had time to do the old twiddle my thumbs and remember how, remember how good I thought I was. Well, I'm here to remind you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm here to remind you. I want to talk about your pro day. Um, Probably it's kind of hard to put the intensity uh, that was involved on your pro day. I believe Tim Crumry was the defensive line coach taking you through the drills. Yes, he was. And um, man, that <laughs> that's the the toughest most. Was there blood? Man, he had boots and cowboy <laughs> jeans on and like a flannel shirt. <laughs> but he had a trick to it. He ended up being my coach, you know. And I mm-hmm. said, I know your trick. You got me really tired before you started wrestling me. That's your trick. <laughs> yeah. I've never been so tired in my life after he was, like, grabbing you and wrestling you and holding your arms down and making you throw his hands off. I told him I had to go take a leak, and I went late in that indoor bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I got puked, like, five times. <laughs> on, act like I wasn't tired. <laughs> Well, that must have happened after. I don't know if you know this, but I was at the finish line when. So, just going back to your size, six five, two seventy one, two seventy two, maybe on pro day, and yeah, uh, yeah, yep. yeah. And I was standing next to a scout. I won't say the team, and as you, and every team from the NFL is in there, and at six five, two seventy one, you come rolling through the line. I look at one scout's, I don't think I've even ever told you this. I looked at one scout's watch and it said four, three, nine. No, that's not true. He turned it down. (laughs) He turned it down. (laughs) 
and he asked, and he went with other people's time, and they went with four four two. Hey, you want to know a true story about that forty yard dash? So there was nobody down there starting me. I probably I probably cheated a good two feet over that line. I looked around, left and right, said, "Man, there ain't nobody down here." I mean, the hell! I mean, that wasn't that long ago. It's like we were playing in the fifties. I mean, there was nobody down there. They might as well have had an ashtray down there for me because they were just like, all right, line up and come through the line. <laughs> well, I cheated a good foot or two on that. <laughs> and that's a fact. <laughs> but do you believe that NFL scouts and you don't have some start start you? I mean, that's crazy. Well, yeah, they've they they've changed that since then. <laughs> well, they got <laughs> <crazy stuff now. laughs> <laughs> I came right. I came right at the right time. Yep. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. Take me through, I remember your work ethic. It was it was um, no question you were the hardest working guy on the team. We actually had to move you. We moved you to the linebacker group. You, Those times were too slow. We moved you to the defensive back, the safeties group. That was too slow. Then we put you with the, the, the corners group, and you were coming in first place running with the cornerbacks. Yeah, maybe fifth place. Those guys are pretty fast. I mean, what I was – what I really had good was at that time – and it got worse over the years, of course. But I had really good endurance coming in for some reason. I don't know how. So, I mean, I couldn't run very far. But, like, 100, 200 yards, I could recover fast. Mm-hmm. And that helps you when you play a bunch of snaps. But, I mean, I don't care who, really who you are anymore unless you're Aaron Donald or some of these other guys. A lot of guys don't take over 30 snaps anymore. So, the conditioning level has kind of came down. Uh, because you don't need to play 80 snaps, 70 snaps a game unless unless you're one of those guys. And, I mean, I, th- I think that guy is just an unbelievable freak. Uh, mm-hmm. That dude is a football player, man, and yeah. inside and out. And you see him play 80 snaps, and he don't get tired, and he's just chucking people. He, he's an old-school guy, in, in yeah. my opinion. I saw him in person, and I, he's not that tall. 6'2", six 6'1", six yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But he uses his leverage like no one else. I think he's one of those freak strong guys too. I, I think mm-hmm. he can throw some major, major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he's a heck of a. If, if any young people, young D linemen are watching football, watch that guy and how he plays. He, he he's the best in the business right now. Mm-hmm. Do, do you remember the time you got mad at me because we were running shuttles? And you were beating everyone. We we had you with the defensive backs, and you were beating everyone by five yards. 
and I blew you. I blew the whole group back and said it was your fault. <laughs> and and do you remember that? Was that winter conditioning or something? It was in the summer. It was in the summertime, and and you, I blew you back, and you said. I'm beating everybody by five yards. And I said, well, you can beat everybody by 10. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys, I just remember you guys really having fun with us in the winter. <laughs> That's what I remember. It was good times. I mean, yeah. Coach Larry Smith was old school. Old school, man. Old school. I, I don't know. I've been out for four or five years. I, I noticed it towards the end. It's, I think it's changing. The culture of that is changing. Uh, I mean, you see it with all these coaches that are in their 30s, 40s, early 40s now. Uh, the old school approach and, you know, I, I think there is somewhere in the middle there, you know, old school, new school. You, you know, you don't need to practice three times a day. Yeah. What do you what are some of the changes that you say you were noticing on your way out? Well, I mean, like, do you have any well, specifics? The, the most obvious ones ever. You, out our uh, two two days were outlawed. Yeah. Uh, so no two days. Uh, just, I mean, you're you're an NFL. This is your job, right? You couldn't even have mm -hmm. contact with your coach in the off season. How, how ridiculous is that? You know what I mean? So, I mean, some of these rules are over the top, but some of them need to be changed, but just not all that way. The pendulum swung way too far. Mm -hmm. And was that, do you know, or Pat, do you know, was that at the same time or like before or after college? Did they happen in the same year? You said that was 2011? 2011. It, it, yeah. was, it all started around the new CBA agreement. And the, one, of the, one of the things they did was out, you couldn't do any more two-a-days. And then I think it trickled down to mm -hmm. college, if, yeah. right? I think, yeah, I, if I remember maybe 2012, 2013, and um, I, th I think, I, I'm pretty sure that happened a few years after. I know Gary Pinkle was a little bit ahead of the curve, ahead of the NCAA rule in terms of doing that, making those adjustments. But right. yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, with the safety um, concerns, you know, you played 14 years in the NFL. I mean, wh what do you do to keep yourself I mean that's a that's a lot of pounding wear and tear and I know you're in still excellent shape so what do you do oh I mean I, you just got to stay active I'd, I'd say you either go one of two ways either especially if you're an O lineman or D lineman DB's receivers are usually always in pretty good shape but O lineman D lineman you either tend to lose a bunch of weight or gain a bunch of weight <laughs> so <laughs> yep. I tried to, you know, I came out my last year, I weighed 300 pounds and I got, I'm at like 265, 270 now. So it's, it was one or the other. And I realized that and I was like, I don't like this 300 pound stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but for, for you, the, as lean as you were and, and uh, to be, maintain your quickness and your agility, you had to work really hard to be that 300 pounds. Yeah, I mean, lots of eating, lots of squatting, squatting heavy, uh, things like that. And then, I mean, it's pretty simple. If you just, yeah, I, I, it sounds simple, but for me, adjusting to how much I was eating, really looking at how much I was eating, it was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, but you can do it for your whole life, it seems. it's You think it's normal, and it's not. Is that probably the biggest change that you've had in terms of your post 
NFL career slash retired life, however Pat put it, um, yeah. is that you're you're Former eating. Player, whatever, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, used to go wherever and you'd order like two, three appetizers, a steak, get something. <laughs> it was so normal. Uh, but once I once I started, just got to where I could eat just a meal. Your stomach shrinks just like it expands, and now I mean I I probably eat a fifth of what I used to eat, and I, I feel a lot better. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would assume it's probably more enjoyable. You don't have to eat by like for your job. You actually get to eat to enjoy your food. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the the things that really struck me is funny uh, when I was starting to notice some other stuff towards my last three or four years. We'd be getting all these guys from all over the place, Alabama, Tennessee, in the, the D lineman, these guys are around you 24 seven. The first thing we'd have to teach these guys is how to eat. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, th- their, their bodies were out of shape, this and that. And they, they, a lot of these big time programs still aren't teaching these guys how to eat properly. And I always found that kind of funny, you know, you got these huge programs, endless amounts of money and they think eating, uh, two buckets of Popeye's chicken is like good. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, we, we have a couple guys that we just changed how they ate and they lose 13, 13 pounds and gain muscle, you know? So I thought that was I think you just, I think you just ruined the plan for like at least a million Americans out there thinking that Popeye's chicken was where it's at. <laughs> I like it too, but you can't do it all the time. All the time. <laughs> hey, Smitty, tell me about you've you've told me before about your um preparation and your ability to diagnose plays before they happen and all of the attention to detail that you you used to put into knowing exactly what the offense was gonna do. Can you tell our listeners, I mean, just give them a little little taste of what it what what you did and what you do before the snap of the ball. And hopefully it's not too, too long ago where you can't recall it. Right. <laughs> well, I think the biggest difference for me was a position change from going from a defensive end to inside. Inside, you get all sorts of different blocking schemes, uh, traps, whams, insert blocks, uh, stretch, stretch cuts. Uh, they started doing the inserts with the pullbacks and the running backs inside to create lanes, stretchy open. On the outside, all I did was I it was me versus the left tackle all game. I didn't have to know much. I just knew I had the biggest bastard on the field all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. But when you get moving inside, you start getting your legs hit. You start – I really didn't start really breaking down what the offense was doing and how they were attacking me until I moved inside to tackle. And that was 2008. And then – once I started really paying attention to that, because I wasn't, it just wasn't me versus a left tackle all day. Uh, it really helped, and I could anticipate. Uh, we we were also given some freedom once the coaches trusted us with it. That you know they would call over under on the defense, and you're supposed to stay lined up. But whenever they'd motion this or that, we we could move to whatever alignment we wanted. Mm-hmm. So we were always in the basically the right call. Unless, unless we messed up as a unit up front, and then we just point the linebackers. <laughs> 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 
do you credit some of the additional longevity to your career? Do you credit it to that switch and you had to be more of a student of the game? Uh, well, I was, it's kind of twofold. It was, uh, I had to learn it cause it got moved inside because mm-hmm. I was fast enough, uh, to be an outside rush azure anymore. And number two, when you get moved inside, if you pick that stuff up, you're playing against a less caliber player. You're playing against guards and centers. They're, <laughs> they, they make left tackles out of – they're mutants. You've never seen these guys walking <laughs> the street. I don't know where they come from. And you get moved inside, you're like, finally, a normal-looking dude, like six foot four, 300 pounds. I can handle this. The, the ta- left tackles are 6'9", 6'10". Uh, arms are touching the ground. And they can move. It's crazy. So it, it all it, it really helped becoming a better football player when I started going against worse football players. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the truth. Very I'm sure. that. that is the truth. I'm sure everybody too will appreciate that you just called a six foot four, three hundred pound man an average man. <laughs> so most left tackles in the NFL, they look way less than average. It's crazy. Yeah. Matt will tell you. He's seen those guys. It's it's insane. Insane. Absolutely. The the um who who's the best that you've ever played against? Walter Jones by far. Wow, no hesitation either. What what was it about him that, that made him the best you, you went against? He was so quick, agile, strong. So, I mean, everything, it's what you would say. I mean, if you made a football in Madden, uh, a player in Madden, I mean, it was, he would, I remember playing against him uh, when I was a defensive end. He was a tackle, of course, and uh, I'd be in a wide nine, ten technique, and he would still reach me, you know, (laughs) and I I knew he was trying to reach me. I wasn't surprised. So, he would wave at his wife and kids in the end zone, at the end zone suite, and wave at him, and then just two seconds later, like pancake somebody. I mean, it was <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, I mean, he was the best I ever played against. I mean, Willie Roth and Jonathan Ogden, those guys are all super duper good. Orlando mm-hmm. Pace, but uh, that guy was a machine. It was wow. crazy. That's great. That's great. Um, what advice do you give? You know, I know you you have a chance to speak sometimes to athletes. What do you, what advice do you give them? I mean, it's what I would tell the rookies coming in. Just, you know, you got uh, one mouth, two ears. Just shut up, listen. Uh, find the guys that you kind of admire and work the hardest and try to emulate their best qualities. And uh, there's no shortcuts. I mean, just work your ass off. That's all you can do. Work your ass off. Get every – little advantage you could get from diet to, you know, you just don't do the workouts that the coaches mandate. You get your extra work in. Uh, you got to learn to take care of your body on your own. And just every little angle you can get. Cause I mean, as soon as you come in, they're looking to get rid of you. I mean, that's just the truth and uh, stay humble. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys that had tons of talent, this and that, and their, their own ego got in their own way. So I mean, I, that, that's probably the biggest thing, honestly, at that level, even in co- college too. I mean, they come in and uh, they get full of themselves and there they, there they go. You, you've yeah. seen that a million times. I got one last question as we wrap this up. 
What financial advice do you usually give them when you speak? Uh, always, you know, you never want to go backwards in your lifestyle. You always want to go forward. So, you know, when you're coming out of college, uh, what'd you drive? Oh, I drove the biggest piece of shit car you ever seen. I said, where'd you live? Oh, the dump. I said, well, then what do five bedroom house in a Bentley for now, six months later, mm-hmm. easing all that stuff. You know, I mean, get you, get you a nice suburban, get you a nice apartment your first four or five years. He's got out of college. So ease into your life. You don't have to go full, <laughs> full <laughs> rapper right up the gate. You know, I said, you realize them rappers rent all that stuff too now. <laughs> go full rapper right out of college full, full rapper. rapper you can't go full rap video step in he's into that he's, he's into that well if our if our listeners want to try to find out about your current rap video life how do they find you or follow you if they are interested He's off the grid. I'm I off would the get grid. I got, I got. They got to come visit you on the farm. I'm off the grid. <laughs> off that stuff. You get too much trouble with that stuff. Say the wrong thing, whatever it is. I mean, I. No, thank you. <laughs> Not even mad about it. Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for young kids now with that stuff. I mean, you almost got to be on it. Uh, I mean, they think they got to be their own promotional company for themselves in college to get to the NFL. And I mean, that's not true. They're going to find you. You put the right tape on, they're mm-hmm. going to find you. You don't need all that distraction and crap, but it's, it's a part of life. It's not going away. So that's just me yeah. being an older guy saying that. Well, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been, uh, been a good time. <laughs> the time has went by fast. Uh, I feel like <laughs> we could go for hours. Um, yes. This has been great, man. It's been fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate how you lived your life and how you continue to live your life. Um, you're a great example of what can happen when you put your mind to something and you work for it. So thank you for that. And we need that. We need those examples today. And uh, for our listeners, he's absolutely telling the truth. He is off the grid. So you're not going to find him. You're not. You're not going to find him. Uh, but we will make sure that... Uh, we will post this and uh, it'll be a great podcast. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, buddy. All right. Thanks, Matt. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.